We've been going through a series of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. As doing that um, frequently, like any other sermon topic at times, you have to take the context of what's going on as well as the passage. The context in this situation was that Jesus on a Sabbath healed a blind man. He spit into some dirt, made clay, applied it to the man's eyes, and then told him to wash. That created a furor among the religious establishment, the Pharisees, and they conducted an investigation. They didn't like the answers that they were getting. And so they came and talked to Jesus. Uh, Jesus was, in essence, saying to them that um, because they didn't understand who he was, that they were blind. They continued to argue with him that he was, that Jesus was the sinner and that they weren't, and that they weren't blind. And Jesus tells them because they confess that they, they can see that sins are still uh, held to their account. In a part of that conversation in John chapter 10, we see that Jesus is still talking to these same people. He's told them that they're blind. Now he's going to tell them that they're not hearing uh, from God. So in John chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, Truly, truly, and I'm going to pause there, and I frequently say when Jesus says truly, truly, I jokingly say it's on the test. What I mean, it's important. Anytime that Jesus speaks, it's the truth. But when he says truly, truly, then you want to make sure that you take particular note of what he says to follow. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Now, Jesus is using an analogy and one that they should be fairly familiar with, while not everybody present, certainly not the Pharisees were shepherds. They were certainly familiar with, with shepherding because sheep and lambs were essential to worship uh, in, the, in the Jewish uh, form of expression of worship. And so what Jesus is saying is that there is a sheepfold, and, and we're not sure what that is because we don't tend to sheep, but a sheepfold is a, is a pen, if you will, a paddock in, in this particular area of the country made of stones, um, and then there was an opening which was called the door, and the sheep would be placed in this pen paddock fold so that they would be protected and it was high enough to keep out wolves and lions and others that might attack the sheep. It would be a safe place for them. And sometimes the sheep holds would be uh, privately held and then sometimes um, they would be a, a large enough for a number of shepherds to place their sheep or in lambs into this 
fold for protection. And Jesus is saying, the shepherd goes through the doorway, but those who are thieves and those who seek to, to do harm to the sheep uh, because they can't get in through the doorway, uh, go up over the walls to uh, steal the sheep or to do whatever. So Jesus is saying that when a, a sheepfold that is there for a number of different shepherds and different flocks, that the shepherd would place them in for safekeeping, the doorkeeper would, would be there to act as a, a, a doorkeeper, and that uh, when it was time for the sheep to leave, the shepherd would call out to his sheep, and his sheep would hear his voice and know that they were to follow him. And the shepherd is so familiar with his sheep that he calls them by name. So it isn't a matter of, oh, I hope I get all the sheep that, that I own. He's intimately acquainted with them and that he calls them by name. And his sheep are intimately aware of their shepherd because they understand his voice and they follow him because he speaks, and they don't follow another because it's not them, and they won't follow. They're not understanding what Jesus is saying. He goes, they don't understand this figure of speech, this analogy. I think it's somewhat obvious, because he's already told them that they're blind. Now he's saying that they don't recognize the voice of the shepherd. And so Jesus is going to be a little more specific. But I want you to notice something that he says that his sheep hears his voice. The voice of God. Oftentimes you'll hear of people wanting to do Bible studies and questioning, well, how do I know it's the voice of God? Is it not maybe pepperoni pizza? How is it that I know when God speaks to me that it's the voice of God? Now, generally speaking, at least in my personal experience, I've never heard God's voice audibly. But there have been times that I have felt that his spirit spoke to my spirit in an understanding way. Well, how is it that it was not pepperoni pizza? Because I could check it with the word of God. And if the word of God was consistent with what that voice was telling me, then I could be assured that it wasn't pepperoni pizza or my desire because it was consistent with his voice because he's spoken it before. But to be honest, Tens of thousands of people came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah and didn't have the Word of God. They had the testimony of those who saw Jesus raised from the dead. They did have the testimony of what the Old Testament spoke of Jesus, and they could use that Word of God with what the preachers were speaking and compare it to make sure that it was the voice of God. And so unfortunately, so many of people who, who go to church and whatever aren't sure about the voice of God because we're not consistently in his word, consistently 
following him. And notice it says that they follow his voice. His voice. So when Jesus says things like, if you believe in me, that you will have eternal life, that's his voice. I recognize his voice because God has placed his spirit into me so that I might recognize his voice because I am his sheep. Now, unfortunately, the use of the terminology being Jesus' sheep is not all that flattering because sheep aren't that bright. And sheep don't have any natural protection. They rely on the shepherd. They need to know who to follow and who will have their best interest. So they won't follow a stranger because they don't recognize their voice. And not recognizing the voice means I can't necessarily trust you. You may be a thief. You may be one who simply wants to add to his sheepfold, and I can't trust you. But Jesus, hearing his voice, I can trust him, and I can follow him. So Jesus becomes a little more explicit since they don't catch on. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly. So again, Jesus is narrowing and focusing on what he's teaching. Truly, truly, I say to you, now I want you to catch this. I am the door of the sheep. He didn't say I was the doorkeeper. He says, I'm the door. I'm the one who gains access into the sheepfold and one who the sheep gains access out of the sheepfold. It is me who is the door. I am the entry and the exit for my sheep. It's not that I'm the doorkeeper. I'm the way. And as Jesus says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And Jesus is consistently stating that, that he is the only way. Now, I know our culture thinks that's narrow-minded and somehow that we are intolerant. But I hear his voice saying that, and I say, amen. That's his voice. I can believe it. I can follow it. He will say other things that I have more difficulty with. To love my neighbor as myself. To love my enemy. To do those types of things that just doesn't seem to be in my best interest. And yet it's his voice. And I know it's his voice. So he goes, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So he's saying, there are others who claim to be the Christ. There are others who claim to be that way to heaven. And Jesus says, they were thieves. They were robbers. And the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. He reaffirms that. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Pretty declarative. It's not you hope you're going to be saved. But if you enter through the doorway of Jesus, you will be saved. And you will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I am that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, again, people take a look at that and they say, oh, that they may have life. And they think that it's a series of positive events and circumstances. Life isn't a series of events and circumstances. It's a difference between being alive and being dead. Being a rock or being a sheep. And he came to give us life and to give it abundantly. And all too often, Christians, while we may have difficulties and hard circumstances and may even be persecuted, he came to give us life and to give it abundantly. We don't look at circumstances. We see the net result. And the net result is that we have eternal life. One that isn't life, death, life, but life that goes on forever. So Jesus has said in this statement, he gave them an analogy. They didn't quite understand it. So he made it very clear. He's the door. The sheep hear. The sheep follow because they get access to and from the protection of the fold. Now, Jesus is going to move on to a different type of an, a statement. And I don't want to say analogy because he's not saying I'm like this. He is the door. He is the way. He's not like the way. He is the way. And then he's going to say, I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I'm like a good shepherd. He goes, I am the good shepherd. And then he's going to explain why he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's making a statement that's going to come to pass, that he's laying down his life for the sheep so that they might have life and they might have it abundantly and they might be able to follow him because he's not, as he says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand, and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. And then he's going to say something really significant. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He goes, just as the Father and I know each other, I know my sheep. And I've come to give my life for them. A hired hand doesn't care about the sheep and will leave at the earliest opportunity of difficulty. They don't want to put their lives on the line for somebody else's. But Jesus acknowledges they're his. He knows them by name. He's concerned about them to the point that he lays down his life for you and me, his sheep. Then he says, I have other sheep which are not a part of this fold. 
I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now, I believe what Jesus is saying here is that he originally came to the Jew, because as the scripture says, it's to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile, or it says the Greek. The primary initial presentation of the gospel, as far as Jesus was concerned, was to, to Jews. However, he did interact with, with Gentiles. He interacted with a Roman centurion. He interacted with others from Samaria as a Samaritan. And so we see Jesus discussing eternal life with these people. But his primary focus at that time was the Jew. But he's acknowledging that not just the Jew are his sheep, that there are others, and the others, the Gentiles, will also hear his voice. And we will become one flock, one church. It's not the Jew, the Greek, the whoever. It's we're all one body, brothers and sisters, united because we are following one shepherd. Not different shepherds, not several shepherds, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. Now, you'll hear people who don't understand the scriptures will say to you that Jesus lost control in history rolled him over and he was the subject of, of Rome and, and the religious authorities trying to do away with him. No, Jesus came for this very purpose. From the time he spoke to Nicodemus, he talked about his death. When he talked to his disciples, he talked about his death. When he talked to others, he said, I'm going to be raised up. He spoke of his death, but it was that he didn't die. He wasn't murdered. He laid down his life voluntarily because the father, notice, gave him authority to do that. And the father gave him authority to raise up again. So when he rose the third day from the grave, it was because he and the father had already communicated to each other, and God said, I'm sending you. For I love the world so much that I gave my only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He sent his son, but when the father sent the son, he also gave him authority to lay down his life and to raise it back up. It was a commandment. It wasn't a suggestion that he received from the Father. Now, I want you to see something. That Jesus says that he's a good shepherd. That he's the door. That his sheep hear his voice and follows him. And that he leads them. And he guides them. And he directs them. And he protects them. And he gives them life and gives them life abundantly because 
He loves us so much that he laid down his life for us. So in this passage, it causes me to remember Psalms 23. Now we're going to, uh, in our Bible studies, hopefully in the not too distant future, look at Psalms 23 very specifically, literally word by word. But I want you to see what it starts off with. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The God of the universe, Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that God is my shepherd. He's the one who leads me. He's the one who guides me. He's the one who protects me. He's the one who provides for me. He's the one who loves me and knows me by name. And because he does those things, I want to hear his voice more sharply, more clearly, so that I'm not tempted to go astray by hearing a different voice. But here's how great the love that our Father has that Jesus as a good shepherd will later say, if a man had a hundred sheep and loses one, will he not go and find that one? And so sometimes we as sheep try to, we get lost either because of circumstances or problems, or we think we're hearing the voice and we wander off, or the world convinces us to do something else. But the good shepherd seeks us out, picks us up, and brings us back. Now I know it's really a, a Christian kind of thing to hear in music and other ways that, that, uh, that God so loved me that he'll go anywhere and climb any mountain and do anything to come get me. He did something to come get me that showed me that there's nothing else that he needs to do to find me. He walked up the hill we call Calvary or Golgotha with a cross. He was nailed to it. He was despised and rejected and ridiculed. He hung there between two thieves, both initially rebuking and reviling him until one heard his voice and said, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will enter into paradise. You see, that was all the searching Jesus needed to do for me and for you. To climb up that hill, to be on that cross, to lay down his life for you and me. The sheep. The sheep who can't protect ourselves, don't know our way and get lost. Don't have any really other form of protection that the wolves and lions 
can tear us apart. We can't even run faster than them. But Jesus pursued us up the cross because his father gave him the authority to do so. Now, Jesus being the door, Jesus being the good shepherd, I hope to you that you hear that voice. And that voice rings true. And that voice says, yes, Lord, you are my shepherd. And as a next line of that, Psalms 23 says, for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing else that I need, nothing else that I desire other than that he might lead me, that he might provide for me, that he might protect me. That sounds true because it comes from the voice of the good shepherd. However, not everyone is a sheep. And we're required to present the gospel to everyone, sheep or no sheep, because we don't know initially who are the sheep or who are his sheep. And so just as there are many people today who don't necessarily understand who Jesus really is, a division, verse 19, a division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. These are pretty direct words. Jesus is saying, you're not going anywhere as far as it comes to the Father unless you're coming through me. And that I am going to provide for you and I'm going to lay down my life for you. And those things are part of what I do. It's very clear. He's gone beyond just an analogy to say, this is who I am. I am the door. As much as when Moses asked God, the Father, well, when I go to the people that you're sending to me, who shall I say sent me? God said, tell them, I am who I am sent you. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, he's being very clear that not only is he the access to God, he is God. And when he says, I am the good shepherd, he's the shepherd spoken of in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. And a lot of people today say, well, Jesus was either a liar or mistaken or whatever, and we dismiss him. But usually people give him no thought whatsoever. And so just as people today say the same thing was said, well, why do you listen to him? The reason I listen to him, because I hear his voice. And I know that he is who he said he is. Not who he said he was, who he said he is. Because as he said, 
that he had authority to lay down his life. He also had authority to pick it up again. And he did, as the scripture said, on the third day. And appeared to his disciples and appeared to the women and appeared to others and appeared to over 500 at one time. We get this impression uh, for first fruits or Easter that Jesus rose on the on Easter Sunday, first fruit Sunday, kind of showed up to a few people and then went away. The scriptures say that he was here on earth after his resurrection for 40 days, seeing his disciples, seeing others, and they saw him raised from the dead, so much so that it changed them. No longer did they hide. Instead, they rejoiced that they re were considered worthy to be persecuted. So why do you listen to him? Because he is the door and he is the good shepherd. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind. And he, they're back to, well, he did something that nobody in seems to recorded history ever done. Heal a blind man. Yeah, it was on the Sabbath, whatever, but he healed the blind man. And they were saying, this ought to give us some reason to pay attention to him. And yes, he healed the blind man. And he'll heal a deaf man. And he'll cure people who are sick, both by placing his hands on them and by saying, be healed at a distance. He will even raise others from the dead and has. But we, again, as I hammer this over and over and over, because our faith is based on a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So a demon-possessed man cannot do what Jesus did the way Jesus did it. Because the Old Testament told us how Jesus would die and that he would raise again on the third day. So his voice is still clear. His voice is still unambiguous. His voice still says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him, not around him, not over the walls, not any other way, but through Jesus. And having gone through the door of Jesus, you then follow him. Not because circumstances say everything is wonderful or not because of events of life, but because he's the good shepherd. He laid down his life for you and for me that he knows us by name. He knows the very hairs on our head. He knows when we rise up, he knows when we lay down. He's that intimately aware of you and me. He's not some God afar off. He desires to lead you. And it is my prayer 
that you say, Lord, I hear your voice. And Lord, sometimes I haven't followed you as closely as I ought to. And sometimes maybe I've gotten farther away than I ought to. But Lord, I hear your voice. I hear you coming after me. And I hear you picking me up. And I hear you loving me. And I hear you considering the fact that you own me. And that nothing will separate us because you love me. The last thing I want to say is this. My children and my grandchildren mean very much to me. I think they're very special. I think and hope that they are and will be far better than me. but they're special to me because they're mine. You are special to God because you're his son or daughter and you are his. So much so that he laid down his life for you. You can trust him. And all God's people said, Amen.